When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle on Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. It's all presented by PSE&G, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Hello, everybody. Getting ready to take on the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday at MetLife Stadium at 1 o'clock. A big program coming your way today. I speak to Giants center and now left guard Nick Gates. Bob Papa with head coach Brian Day will be our final interview. And then right in the middle, we have Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He'll talk to Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino on everything Eagles and break down Philly on both sides of the football. Folks, before we get started, make sure you go back and subscribe to past episodes of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Maybe my favorite podcast we've ever done here, just posted a couple days ago. We sat down, Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning, to talk about the 2007 Giants Super Bowl season. Tom Coughlin has a new book, A Giant Win, and they just go 35 minutes chatting about the year. It was so much fun to be there for it. I really suggest you go back and listen to that if you haven't, and make sure you go subscribe uh, to the Giants Huddle Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. All right, let's get to it. Let's lead off with my interview with Nick Gates. Nick, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, just uh, happy to be back out there. Yeah, we're getting Nick right off the practice field on Friday, and now you're back at guard again. Is that just like no big deal? Did it, was it like putting a glove on? Did it did it feel normal to you? What was it like? Uh, yeah, for the most part, it felt normal. There's a couple kinks in there, you know. I had to you know work out and uh, get used to back, you know, used to again, uh, you know, taking sets and stuff. But feeling pretty good there. How much did you have a chance to work at it besides the week leading up to the game, or was it kind of just all right? You got a week. Get ready to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I came in as a guard, so I kind of, you know, my first couple of years, I, I played guard and had a couple starts there. Um, it, t- I mean, uh, I was t- doing a little bit of guard coming, you know, during my rehab process and stuff like that. I mostly focused on center, but I did some guard stuff there too. But yeah, you know, it's uh, mostly that week was the most majority of the time I got the work work in. Was it a little bit easier to be next to Andrew, someone that's been here for a while and is so good that he kind of helped you have a little bit of a soft landing there? Yeah, no, definitely. Every time I get to play next to Andrew, it's fun. He's a you know, really good player. You know, you know he's going to know his job, and you know he does it uh, really good. So, and John, uh, John knows the playbook really well. He's been with his coaching staff and this uh, in this playbook for I think, four years now. So, I mean, he knows the ins and outs of stuff, so it's easy to play next to. 
So, you know, the center has some more responsibility. So now you almost have two centers on the field at the same time. So are you helping John, like, doing stuff? Or you just say, all right, I'm going to do my thing at left guard. I'm going to let John do his thing at center and kind of take a step back in that way. I I let John do it for the most part. I mean, I'm still in my head making calls. Or if I see something, be like, hey, John, there or this or that. Just, you know, things like that. They're just like little... Little things I try to do take, you know, a little bit of the, the load off of him and, you know, the thinking part of it. So, yeah. Uh, but for the most part, I let him do his thing. You mentioned in your first answer, is, is the biggest thing just taking that, that pass set from guard, which is a lot different than what you would have to do at center? No, definitely. There's a lot more room at the, at the guard. The farther you get out, the more room you got, uh, you know, to have those guys to have to pass rush move and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's just all about repetition, getting reps out there and, you know, just getting comfortable. Nothing like the deep end of the pool. <laughs> when you looked at the tape, you had to go against against Jonathan Allen most of the time. Yeah. How do you think you did? Uh, I, I, I didn't. I feel like I didn't play my best game by by any means. Um, uh, I definitely could have played better. There's things I need to you know work on and uh, get better at. But you know, at the end of the day, I was just you know I'm a scrappy player and I try to do my job. And you know, I feel like I got done for the most part. I want to talk about the running game a little bit, Nick, you know, because it was more productive earlier in the year. It slowed down a little bit. A lot of that is just not having a couple of those big, you know, 30, 40, 50 yard runs that add to the tolls into the game, right? Have teams started doing more to try to slow down your run game when you watch a tape each week? Is it just even more of a focus on trying to slow down that part of your game? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think uh, teams have a good game plan for our run, our run game. And, you know, we just got to just keep going and keep moving the ball forward and not uh, get away from it. You know what I mean? So we just got to keep you know the two three yarders at the beginning of the game usually turn into those six seven eight yarders in the fourth quarter so we just gotta keep on it and keep going yeah that was gonna be my follow-up and you kind of answered it already but how much is it just trying to keep doing it so eventually you get that one or two that that hit yeah um yeah you definitely the run game it's not at the beginning of the game it's not pretty i mean it's everybody's juiced up everybody's flying around you know the defense linemen are getting off blocks and linebackers are filling and stuff so by the end of the game those after you wear on those guys and you know just a hit after hit after hit on them it wears on them and you know that's why those things pop they don't want to fill the holes as fast they don't want to you know get in front of saquon that puts his shoulder down and you know runs his feet so you gotta you just gotta stay on them yeah, how much of the run game and the success really numbers and angles is what I call it, right? It's number of guys, do you have enough to get a hat on a hat? Then the other part, you know, if you're running outside, but they have a guy lined up on the outside shoulder of your edge blocker on offense, yeah. how are you going to do it? So how, how much is it where teams are just kind of overwhelming you numbers and angles wise? So it's just kind of hard to get this stuff going early in games. Oh uh, yeah, no, definitely. They're, uh, I, f- I feel like the last couple of games have been, you know, filling the safety down the box or having that safety come and you know play the edge so we can't you know bounce the ball out or have that you know second second move to get outside so I feel like they've been doing a little bit of that um but again we just got to keep on you know it doesn't matter what they throw at us it matters what we do the one thing I've asked the linemen and Saquon about this year is I feel like you guys have so much in your bag in terms of types of running plays you run, right? Some teams, we're going to run only outside zone, we run inside zone, but you guys run gap. You pull the you you guys pull the center as much as any other team in the league. I, I, I know when you play center, you like doing that, but you just do so many different things. Does that give you more options to try to figure out a way to get the run game going over the course of a game if it doesn't work right away? Yeah, definitely. It's nice to have all, you know, all those different runs in our bags and be able to pull them out whenever. Um, but you know, we definitely have our runs that we uh, we like to to focus on and like to run. But you know, it's definitely nice to have a, a full bag of tricks. I know right now you're in practice and you're trying to you know just get ready for for Philadelphia here. But have you at some point taken a, a bigger picture look? Maybe it was at the bye week and kind of look back at finally getting on the field, being active, playing, starting, and looking just thinking about everything you've been through and just being like, 
damn, I made it. This is this is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, no, definitely back that uh, that Seattle game is when I kind of like took it all in, and you know, I just my thing is like I'll let it. You know, one game I'm gonna take it in and you know have fun with it and like enjoy the moment. But after that, like after that, I'm just gonna go play football. Like there's nothing. I feel like I'm not going to drag it on and not going to keep, you know, keep on about it. Like I'm back now. I just want to play football. I kind of want to forget about the injury and I kind of have, I don't really feel my leg. Like my leg feels good. I don't really feel it like in a good way anymore. So it's, you know, it's, it's in the back of my, I mean, it's still been in the back of my head, but for the most part, I, I don't think about it anymore. I just want to move on from it. Is there some last question on it then? Is there some pride in yourself where you look back to maybe your your darkest moment when you, at the one point you thought you know what this maybe this isn't going to happen? Maybe it was when you had that that final surgery to get the get the bar taken out, right? Like, was it? Do you think back to those dark moments and like you know what? I, it, it, it was all worth it. No, definitely. Uh, there was a couple a couple moments I thought I was retiring, never going to play again. But uh, when it when um, just throughout the journey, just not not any specific time or anything like that. There was just some days I was just like I don't know if I could do this again. Like it's just. It was a lot, you know, coming back, just having seven surgeries. I thought I was good after the sixth one, and then I got that infection in my tibia, and I and they had to go in and pull the rod out and then put another rod in. And after that, I was like, there's no way I come back. And I think it was, what, four months at that time? Three or four, three or four months before the season started. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to play this year. Like, I just didn't think I was going to be able to recover fast enough. But the rod, like, that, that surgery really didn't affect me too much. It was, uh, my bone was mostly healed on the outside, so it was just, like, the inside that needed to heal, and that took, like, a couple months to go, and, you know, we started getting back into it, and I was like, all right, cool, I feel good, I know I could do this again, so. How many surgeries was it in total at the end? Seven. Yeah, seven altogether. Oh, man, I can, like, only imagine. Do you, like, do you feel like old Nick Gates? Like, I, I know you say you don't feel the leg, but just physically, I know, you know, you can't do a whole lot when you're rehabbing from that, right? So have you built yourself back up to, to how you felt like before this whole thing went down? No, definitely. Uh, my upper body is definitely, strength has gotten a, a lot better. And, you know, that's, like, one of the main things I can only really lift and focus <laughs> on while the whole process. But uh, my legs are back. Uh, I wouldn't say totally back to where they are, but... Not at least not in size wise. I feel like that's a hard thing to get back. But uh, strength is pretty good there still, um, almost as, as what it was before. But my really thing is I'm gonna focus on on my off season this year and just you know get back to lifting hard and getting my strength and size back to where it was. So that's a that's a goal for a couple months from now. All right. Have you ever? Let's talk about the Eagles. Have you ever prepared for a team where you're staring at five different defensive tackles, all of which have like made Pro Bowls before? It's pretty crazy, right? Oh yeah. No, this defensive line is uh, they're they're good up front. They have a lot of guys. They got a lot of uh, depth, and you know they rotate and they they bring you know new guys in every every so plays, and that keeps them fresh, and you know that keeps them you know I feel like it keeps them healthier throughout the year that they get to do that. But um. They're they're good, but we I feel we have a good game plan. I got a good plan for my head to you know get after those guys, and we just got to wear down on them. So we got to get that run game going. Let Saquon, you know, uh, get going and try to make a difference. Yeah, I'll list the guys for the fans. Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Dominic Sue, Linval Joseph, then Jordan Davis, like the 800-pound rookie who's like an immovable object. Do you have yeah, to prepare? Graham, then you got uh, <laughs> Sweat. I mean, all those guys come inside too. So they did have Derek Barnett, but I don't think he's, uh, he's, hurt, yeah. he's hurt. So he's a good player too. So. So are you sitting there like, all right, this guy likes to do that. This guy likes to do that. Do you have a different game plan for each guy, or is it more just a, a part of what scheme and alignment they're showing you? I wouldn't say totally different game plans, but I mean, you gotta you gotta set different guys different ways with the what kind of rusher they are. So I mean, Hargraves is a definitely a penetrator, get up the field, fast, twitchy guy. So you know, try not to let him get going and things like that. Uses his hands a lot. I mean, a lot of those good those defense linemen use their hands a lot, but yeah, you know, definitely you gotta you know change it up a little bit between a couple of guys, different guys. 
And then Hassan Reddick's the other edge rusher, by the way, because, you know, they needed another guy this offseason, so they had to go pay him. And, and, and they got Robert Quinn, too, which is, but he's hurt now, but that, which is crazy. Like, I'm like, where are they getting all this money and to pay all these guys? Like, damn. No, it's crazy. It, it, it really is. Uh, when you look at what they do, is it a lot of blitzes? Is it twists and stunts? Is it mostly trying to set up ISOs where they get guys one-on-one? How are they trying to get to the quarterback? Uh, they definitely don't run a lot of games uh, like we've been facing the last couple of weeks. Um, but I really, their thing it seems like they just want to get their rushers and let them rush. You know, they they want to you know get the third down and long and let those guys get up the field and do what they do best. So that's I think that's their game plan. Yeah, you go back. You know, Washington beat them. Their only loss of the year. They were rushed for one fifty eight forty minutes time of possession. But since then, they've held Jonathan Taylor down. They held Aaron. Jones down, and they've held Derrick Henry down. Not a bad laundry list. Have you seen their run defense improve as you kind of watched them throughout the year? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, they run the ball. They, you know, they, they, yeah, they're just, you know, they're a good team. So, you know, they, uh, yeah, they just run to the ball. So I, I don't, I don't know, but they're just, yeah, it's kind of hard to say exactly what they do and what they've done. But I just think they're playing hard. So. Is it exciting though? Another NFC East game, MetLife Stadium. You know, playing a team with with one loss. Does that kind of get the Get the hackles up a little bit. Definitely, I just I like playing in, in the division games, especially the Eagles. They they're always fun to you know play. Fletcher and Brandon Graham they don't shut up during the game, which is makes really they're talkers, huh? Oh yeah, they're big talkers. They love to talk, but I, I like I like when that I like uh, when other guys talk. It gets I feel like it makes the game more fun, and that's what I like to do when I'm out there. So I usually have a pretty good uh, like fun time playing the Eagles, and you know it's usually a you know usually a game that matters most of the time. You know in the division, so it's uh yeah it's definitely fun. Obviously, you guys won a lot early. You haven't had as much success recently. Has the locker room tone and mood changed, or have, have you guys? Because the one thing I love about Brian Dable, you don't know when you talk to him if he's just coming off a win or if he's coming off a loss. He always seems to be the same. Has that kind of carried down into the locker room a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. That's one of the things I felt like it, our team has changed, like culture wise and like personality, not personality wise, but like just team wise. Like we don't get down on ourselves. Like we know we're a good team. We know we just what we did wrong and what we got to do better the next game to win. So we're not going to get down on ourselves. And what's happened happened. We can't change it. You know, we can't go back and, and you know make anything different. But so we just got to move on to the next game and you know try to win that. Go one and zero and win that game this week. Final question. We talked in in June. We did a little podcast when you guys did all the stuff in the field house. Yeah. And you know we talked about how this is like the last year of your contract. You didn't know how quickly you wanted to come back, how fast, and then you go too fast or too slow. Then. Has this worked out? I mean, you, you not only can come back, you start a couple games. You started two different positions. I mean, I got to imagine this has worked out as well as you could have imagined in the offseason, no? Oh, no, definitely. This has uh, definitely worked out really well. In the first thing, it was like the two, two or three games. first two or three games I was in, I was the extra wide tight end and just got a couple reps here, got a couple reps there. And that definitely got me back up to the game speed-wise and like you know just being able to recognize things and play fast. So that uh, really happy with the way it all worked out. I'm happy with the plan they made for me to you know work me in slowly and get me back there. And you know now starting, I think it was like it was a it was a perfect uh, like it worked out perfectly. Well, Nick, we love seeing you out there. Congratulations and best luck against the Eagles. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Fans, don't miss out on Giants football at MetLife Stadium for the remainder of the year. Limited tickets are still available. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. That's Giants offensive lineman Nick Gates. We thank you for joining us on the Giants Total Podcast. Now let's turn our attention to the Giants opponent this week, the Philadelphia Eagles. Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino with Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Giants collide with the 11-1 Eagles for the first time this season at MetLife Stadium Sunday. To get more into Philly, we are now joined by Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. 
Davey got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time today. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Everything is good, Lance. Thank you. Um, really looking forward to this quirk of schedule here that we finally get to see the Giants. I'm, I, I'm impressed with what the Giants have done all season. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game on Sunday. Absolutely. So let's delve right into it. And I want to start with a big picture perspective, Dave, about Philadelphia, because the last two weeks, it's interesting. They ran for 363 yards against the Packers, only to then throw for 386 yards the following week against the Titans, which to me is a nice microcosm of the flexibility and versatility of this team. So how much of the last two weeks really presented what the other 31 teams are dealing with challenge wise when they have to play this Eagles offense this season? Yeah, I mean, Lance, it's honestly kind of been like that all season. The only thing that's really hurt the Eagles this year has been penalties and giveaways. And last week they had a bunch of penalties and they overcame them. But, you know, the versatility of this offense has been really impressive. It starts, of course, with an offensive line that's dominant um, and a quarterback who's got tremendous skills, both with his legs and he's developed a really good pocket game. And he's a different quarterback than the last time he went up to MetLife Stadium uh, last November, three interceptions. Eagles lost 13-7, to seven, late fumble by um, Boston Scott as well, an opportunity to catch a football. Uh, Jalen Rager not coming up with the ball. Uh, Jalen has ta- Jalen Hurts has taken that next step as a pocket quarterback. And, you know, he's really basically just playing off of what the defense is trying to do. You want to take away the run? Well, good luck against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You want to focus on them? Well, then the Eagles with Brown, with with Hertz, with um, Miles Sanders, with Boston Scott, with Kenny Gainwell, you know, they will run it down your throat as they did against the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago. So it, it's been a really tough recipe for defenses to handle. And for the most part, the Eagles, in all but one game, they've been above 20 points and they're the only NFL team to do that. So they've been consistent. They've been lethal. They can they can beat you in a lot of different ways. And um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a much different team than the one the Giants saw last November up in MetLife stadium. You mentioned that 20 point mark, and, and I need to ask you about the three games in particular that they were only able to score 17 against the Colts, 21 against the commanders and 20 against the Cardinals. Of course, that game was back in early October. Was there a common thread there other than the other team was able to keep the ball out of Philadelphia's uh, hands? Yeah, Paul, giveaways and and penalties. Um, a lot of them against Tennessee. I think Washington, they had four turnovers. And then against the Indianapolis Colts, they had penalties on three consecutive plays late in the first quarter, four penalties in the first half. I remember five penalties in the first half offensively, and then two giveaways in the second half. And they were able to manufacture late-game drives in Arizona and Indianapolis to win the game. Had chances to do it against Washington and just gave the football away. But that's really been it. I mean, they are just – it's a tough offense to deal with. If you can't win against this offensive line, which really nobody has, and teams have tried to blitz, they've tried to spy Hurts, they've tried to lay back and keep him in the pocket and play coverage, and it just hasn't worked. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Colts did a really nice job, you know, taking away the penalties and the – and the giveaways, they did a very nice job going after, mixing up their their blitzes. You know, they got to Hurts a couple of times with some back-end blitzes, and they were successful. Um, and that's really been about it. Otherwise, the Eagles' offense has been pretty unstoppable. 
Dave, you brought up the offensive line. And I know in years prior, and you can attest to this, we were talking about all the injuries on the offensive line at Game of Musical Chairs. Outside of, I believe, Jordan Mailata missing week five, everybody's been front and center. Everybody's been healthy. How much has the continuity been a big reason why? Not to say that the offensive line was a question, but that they've really been able to set the tone up front. Well, Lance, of course. I mean, isn't that, isn't that, the, isn't that the goal for every single offensive line? That they, if you have continuity, then you're going to have success. And, you know, the Eagles have been really durable. You know, last year, they, they basically returned. It was kind of continuity throughout. And they, a couple of things here. They returned an entire offense and then added A.J. Brown. So that offense last year led the league in rushing and, and did a lot of good things in Jalen Hurts' first season as a full-time starter and in a first year of Nick Sirianni's offense. And then they come back, coaching staff intact, roster intact, and for the first time since he was in high school, and I cannot emphasize, emphasize this enough, for the first time since he was in high school, Jalen Hurts is playing with the same offensive coaches, the play caller, offensive coordinator, slash head coach for two successive seasons. First time since high school. It's been, you know, offense 101 and then another new offense the next year, another new offense 101. He's in the second year of the same offense. He looks a world different with his level of comfort, his confidence, his mechanics. He's really worked hard at it. And I think that as much as the continuity up front with the offensive line, which has been huge, and we all know that the offense, if you don't have an O-line and the Giants have been trying to put it together for a long time and you're getting pieces in place, you're seeing how it works, um, you can't have success. And the Eagles have just been really, really good up front and they've worked at it and they've invested a lot of their resources and they've been fortunate thus far with injuries. That can change very quickly. They've got a lot of depth as well, but the O-line keys everything. All right, so let's talk about the weaponry because we know the offensive line's the foundation. We know what Hurts has been able to do this year, as you say, with more familiarity. But the truth of the matter is he also has a virtual 1,000-yard running back in Sanders, and he's got those two receivers in Brown and Smith who have consistently destroyed people all season long. Has anybody shown any, any measure of success in at least slowing down one part of this offense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's times when you know the run game's really not clicking. Like last week, Eagles had m modest numbers on the ground against the Titans, but they threw for 390. So you know the week before, Hertz threw for 120ish in the air, but he ran for 153, and the Eagles ran for 363. So no, I, I'm going to tell you it, they really. It, the only time they really, you know, early in the season, um, they scored 24 in the second quarter against the Washington Commanders and didn't score in the second half. And so early on, there was a little bit of inconsistency, big second quarters, struggles in the second half. They've kind of, you know, since then really had no problems with consistency, putting the ball in the end zone, getting a lot out of drives. Um, it's been tough. Look, I mean, you know, you, you, I, I, it, it's not an unstoppable offense. There's no such thing as an unstoppable offense, but to beat this offense, you really have to be good in coverage and work against two outstanding receivers. And by the way, the third receiver, Quez Watkins would likely start for many teams. He just doesn't start here. He's the third receiver has done a lot of good things out of the slot. Um, and you have to be outstanding up front. Now the giants have some pieces that, you know, you go into this game and the Eagles are like, all right, the Giants are big up front. They're aggressive up front. 
Um, surprisingly, they've given up some yards against the run, which has been really something that the Eagles have always had trouble running against New York because they're big in, in, in the interior. They give Jason Kelsey problems. They don't let him get to the second level, and that really can make the Eagles' run game shut down. And they've been very good against Jalen Hurts. So that's part of the equation. If you can combine that with really good coverage – well, we saw what the Giants did to the Eagles last November at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, that was the game in which Jalen Hurts had three interceptions. Yep. So, Dave, your point is well taken as we're talking with Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. The one position we haven't touched on, Dave, and you talked about hopefully the injury bug cooperates. Unfortunately, it did hit the tight end position. And Dallas Goddard is sidelined. He's on IR. Two-part question. A, how much has his absence impacted the flow of the passing game in your estimation? And also – the tight ends are used, obviously, as a part of blocking in the rushing attack. So how have they made up for the absence of Goddard there? Yeah, it's been interesting. They've used some different personnel packages. Uh, they've used more three wides. Um, they've gotten the ball to the wideouts a bit more. They've get, gotten the ball to Quez Watkins a bit more. Um, they have, you know, they still run a lot of three tight end packages. Uh, they've got Jack Stoll, who's a good blocker. Grant Calcaterra is more of a route runner. Tyree Jackson is this young, athletic freak former quarterback in college, um, activated off the injured list earlier this season, hasn't really made an impact, but he's so athletic that you really take notice of him when he's out there. And you know that if you don't account for him, he's going to make a really big play. He's got a chance to do that. He's, a, he's just a freaky athlete um, who's still learning the position and learning the game. But so, so they've been resourceful, and they haven't really involved the tight ends as much, although last week, Stoll and Calcaterra combined for four catches and 60 yards. But again, you know, it's been, if you look at the games, it's been extremely interesting. Indianapolis game, they struggled offensively. Packers game, they roared. Last week against Tennessee, they roared. So um, it took them a week. Uh, uh, and then these last two games have been really extremely impressive offensively. So Lance, I mean, they've made adjustments and, I give the coaching staff a lot of credit for riding what's working, uh, running the football when it's there. If you want to play a light box against them, they're patient enough to run the ball. They're great in the red zone. They're second in the league in touchdown percentage in the red zone. So I think the key thing here, guys, to win, you know, the New York Giants are going to have to take the football away. And, and that's difficult against a team that is number one in turnover ratio. Jalen Hurts has only three interceptions. Uh, the running back, Miles Sanders, who in his career has had some, you know, some iffy moments with ball security, has laid the football down exactly zero times this season, as I knock on wood. And, um, you know, that, that when you're not giving the football away and you're not killing yourself with penalties, good luck against this offense. You know, Dave, it's ironic that we're talking about the proficiency of what Philadelphia can do offensively. And yet one guy who has been an absolute thorn in the Giants' side for several years, uh, and I think you would agree, is Boston Scott. But he has not really done a whole lot for the Eagles' attack this season. Might they just unleash him, knowing <laughs> how well he does against the Giants? Well, he's got 37 carries this year um, and four receptions. So, yeah, he hasn't been used particularly a ton. I, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Look, he's had the weirdest success against the Giants. And... Uh, one of those games, I think he had three touchdowns and they were short yardage, but yep. um, no questions. You know, he, he's he's done really well. We, he and I actually talked about that today, and, and they all downplay, but there's certainly a level of comfort that he has 
playing against the New York Giants and um, in that stadium. He's, he's very comfortable and he's done an excellent job in the past game against the Giants as well. So I, I you know, I don't know. There's just, a, you know, it, as, as weird as it is, Boston has dropped in the pecking order. He's the third back and um, he just doesn't get a lot of chances. I don't think they're going to take, you know, a, a potential thousand yard rusher off the field in Miles Sanders to give the ball to Boston Scott. But look at six games against the Giants. He has seven rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. He's averaged 4.6 yards per carry, 327 yards in his six games against the Giants. So it is very strange. Uh, and maybe they'll try to work him into the package just a little bit. But again, the Eagles have so many pieces and matchup advantages. And if they can find a way to work Boston Scott into it, they certainly will. Dave, speaking of many pieces, I want to flip the script to the defensive side of the ball because there's an overwhelming amount of depth, and this has been the MO for this team over the last few years on the defensive line. And there was a bit of a red flag in their inability to stop the run in recent weeks, and they bring in Linville Joseph and Endomican Sue. So how have those two come in and help maybe clean up those issues? And how much is Jonathan Gannon essentially able to rotate personnel and not have to play one guy in particular 90% of the time? Immediate impact. And you're right. There was a formula. The Houston Texans on that Thursday night showed everybody, all right, we're going to just run the ball and we're going to keep it away from Jalen Hurts and we're going to make it really hard on the Eagles. And the Eagles couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run the following game against the Washington Commanders and lost the game. So, you know, Howie Roseman does something that just – He's just been so good this season finding needs, whether it's James Bradbury, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, pieces that really fit. Um, they go out inside Joseph and Sue, and they are very comfortable playing in a role that's had them on the field 17 to 25 snaps a game, maybe 30, depending how the game goes, fitting into a rotation. Fletcher Cox looks like a totally different player. They got Jordan Davis, their number one draft pick, back last week. He's working his way into the rotation more. And they just bring him in. It's like a hockey guy's coming over the boards. They keep everybody fresh up front. They were relentless last week against Tennessee. I mean, they just destroyed Derrick Henry, a, a long of six yards for Derrick Henry. I mean, that, that's unheard of. They sacked Ryan Tannehill six times. I mean, they overwhelmed the Tennessee Titans up front. And... That's the intention. And so Sue's going to rotate. Joseph has been starting. They've been much better on first and second downs. Their third down defense is outstanding. Their secondary with Bradbury and with Darius Big Play Slay at the cornerback positions has been really strong. They lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They bring in a young kid who made the team as an undrafted rookie, uh, Reed Blankenship, who played. He comes in in the middle of a game against the Packers and picks off Aaron Rodgers. And then last week he plays 55 snaps and does a great job against Tennessee. And I'm sure that as teams see him more and more, they will find weaknesses and try to exploit them. But for now, he's just another really solid piece for a defense that has largely played. This is a really key thing, I think, too, with the Eagles. I think in only two games this year, the Eagles have trailed at halftime. So the defense, with the advantage of playing with a lead, has, you know, you, you generally that helps turn offenses into one-dimensional attacks. And if you're just throwing the football against the Eagles, you're not going to have a lot of success. You've got to mix in the run, short passes, get the football out of the quarterback's hands, um, and just just be really patient. Well, you know, Dave, we, we all know that if an offense wants to commit itself to not getting a quarterback sack, 
you're exactly right. They can game plan for that. They can do the quick hitters, and they can make sure with the moving pocket and everything else that he won't get sacked. That's possible. You're going to have to give up other stuff in your playbook, but you can do that. I think my question for you is, knowing how good Bradbury and Slay are, do you think a large percentage of the Philadelphia sacks are covered sacks, or is that front just flat out beating people so quickly that quarterbacks aren't able to operate back there? Yeah, I mean, the coverage has been good, and it's probably there's probably actual actual data that can answer that question. Um, I will credit both sides of it. There have been times that it's been covered sacks, but you know the D line has really been good. Hassan Reddick came in from free agency last year. The Eagles ranked 31st in the league in quarterback sacks. This year they've been excellent. They're number two in the league with 42 sacks. Reddick has been everything the Eagles wanted and more. He's been tenacious. They move him around the line. He's great off the edge. Terrific burst. Josh Sweat has been really good off the edge. They've got it. Brandon Graham coming back from the Achilles tendon has six sacks. So. Um, it, it's a good line. It helps. It helps when you've got excellent coverage on the back end. It gives you a little opportunity to take more chances. They don't blitz a lot. They rely on the four man, and the four man at times a five man has done an excellent job getting home. So uh, they're going to come after Daniel Jones. They want to keep Jones in the pocket. Uh, they want to put pressure on him. They do not want him running around. They are aware that he had 12 carries, 71 yards last week. He's got four touchdowns on the ground. He's hurt the Eagles in the past. I think they certainly respect Darius Slayton. Five straight games with 60-plus receiving yards. Uh, so there's a healthy respect there. And these guys know that the Giants beat them last year. And look, the Eagles are playing for something great here. They're playing for the number one seed in the NFC with the Vikings one game behind and the Eagles in the start of a three-game road trip. They're going to play aggressive football. They know they got to win tonight, or rather on, on, Sunday, on Sunday afternoon. Dave, you brought up the injury to C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Reed Blankenship stepping up. I believe Avante Maddox is coming off IR. I don't know how much perhaps he'll be in the game plan this week, but he's been a valuable guy and somebody that's yep. been on this team for the last few years. His return, how much of a boost do you think that gives the secondary and how much usage do you think he'll get this week? Yeah, I think he'll step back in and be the nickel cornerback, and, and he's a great nickel cornerback. I think teams have had some success targeting Josiah Scott in Maddox's absence. And uh, while Scott has played better, he's not at the level of Maddox, who just fits perfectly with what this team does. He's got the quickness. He's tough. He's, you know, tenacious inside guy. And uh, I think he'll play a lot. I think they'll, if all goes well, if there's no setbacks today or tomorrow, um, he will be active on Sunday and he'll play a full game. Let me go to special teams for a second, Dave, because typically Philadelphia's had one of the elite special teams groups in the NFL for a lot of years. This year, though, it seems that they have struggled a bit, although last week we, we know that their return game was certainly better. What can you tell us there, and is that potentially something that could alter the outcome of this game? Yeah, for sure, Paul. They, they have, they've had some miscues on special teams uh, uh, in, against Green Bay. Three big returns by the Packers really flipped the field. Uh, they've had a punt blocked. Uh, or maybe a field goal blocked. I forget what it was. Uh, they've really, until last week, had nothing going in the return game. So um, it's been a bit of a struggle. They've, they've got a lot of young guys out there. You know, you can't add players like the Eagles have added and think that your special teams are going to have all first-rate guys. you got to have some young players. It takes time to grow. They do have a very solid kicking game with Jake Elliott as the place kicker, with Aaron Sipos as the punter. 
Uh, they're really solid there. But it has been in the return game. It's been in the coverage game where they've had some breakdowns. And I think the weather is predicted, as usual, when the Eagles are up there, to be a little bit stormy on Sunday. That could be a factor as well. So, um, yeah, I, there's no question. Uh, the Eagles have not been consistent with their performance on special teams. That is absolutely an area the teams are going to attack. He is Dave Spadaro, Eagles insider for PhiladelphiaEagles.com as the Giants collide with the Eagles for the first time this season at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Dave, always great to catch up with you. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, and we're looking forward to the game as well. Thanks for hopping on. Thanks, Dave. Lance, Lance Paul, thank you so much. Have a great night. Hey, Giant fans. The Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. We thank Dave Spadaro. Good job by Lance and Paul. Now, the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. He sat down with the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. Giants take on the Philadelphia Eagles, the first meeting between these two teams in the 2022 season. And as always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. Coach, um, you know, obviously last week you get this tie. Now this week you got Philadelphia coming in. Um, when you look at this Eagles team, boy, they're pretty complete across the board. Um and Nick Sirianni, someone that you're familiar with from your past, just talk about the Eagles and how they look to you on tape. Sure. I think their roster is well-constructed. They have a lot of talented players, um, some veterans, and then some young guys that have have really helped them, um, You know, whether that's year two, year three, year four. Um, I think their quarterback is is really doing a, a great job of, of leading his team and, and winning football games, which is, you know, Jalen's won a lot of games since he's been a starting quarterback, whether that's been Alabama, Oklahoma, Philadelphia. I think his winning percentage is somewhere around 80% as a starting quarterback, 59 wins, I think 14 or 15 losses, something like that. So um, he's distributing the ball, making really good decisions. On the offensive side, they have a really good offensive line, and then they have a good defensive line and, and players that can cover, rush the passer. And you know, last week they did a great job against Tennessee of, of stopping the run and, and limiting Henry and what they like to do. So um, a complete team all the way around, well coached, um, you know, be a big challenge. Coach, going back to Jalen Hurts a little bit, you know, it's a lot easier said than done. People say, well, you know, you try to contain him, you try to contain your rush, don't let him get out of the pocket to start making off-schedule plays. Um, how, do you, how do you do that when a guy is so talented? Yeah, I think it takes all 11 players on defense. Uh, and you understand that when you have a player uh, like Jalen, uh, a quarterback that can, can do multiple things, they're going to make some plays, um, you know, whether he gets out on a big scramble or, you know, moves around and, and finds someone down the field or, or really just executes a play. He's, he's done a great job of just executing their offense, plus he has the additional element that, you know, he can make a second play within the first play, if that makes sense. Um, so all 11 guys are going to have to uh, – be on their P's and Q's and do their assignments and, and you know, just do their job. Coach, uh, let's go to your team because, you know, they did a good job last week stopping the run against the Tennessee Titans, and I know that's a staple for New York Giants football right now is to be able to run the ball, but there's a lot of different ways to run it, isn't there? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's different schemes. There's different players you can use, uh, but I'd say that, you know, whether it's run or pass, Bob, you know, what we have to do is go out there and just execute the, the play and keep the chains moving, um, you know, whether it's run or a pass. 
Yeah, and and self-inflicted errors are something that, you know, when you're playing a team as good as Philadelphia, you can't afford to make mistakes that can set you back and get you off schedule, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you see, you know, throughout the league as this season has progressed, you know, there's a lot of close games in this league. We've been part of quite a few of them. The only two I think we haven't, we've turned the ball over um, more than twice or two times. And, you know, it always comes down to a handful of plays in close games. You know, you, you, you go back as a staff or as players and you say, boy, if we only hit these three plays or if we would have made this decision, it's usually a, you know, five or six plays in a game that can make a huge difference. You never know when they're going to be. Could be the first quarter, could be the fourth quarter. Um, so it takes a lot of discipline to execute your assignment. And one of the things, too, Coach, about this game that I was looking at is uh, red zone. Uh, you guys have been pretty good this season in the red zone defense. Uh, and pretty good offensively as well. They're awesome when it comes to percentages as far as scoring. It, does this game kind of boil down to when you get down there, we got to get touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, usually that's the case. Um, you know, you like to score on offense and hold them to three when they get down there. Again, they're they're explosive offense. They're going to make some plays, and we're going to have to do a good job of, of executing our assignments and tightening up in the red zone. And then when we get down there, we're going to have to finish off drives. Um, you know, that along with – I would say third down is a critical area this week against this team. You know, Washington, they actually had 21 third downs. Not that you want to have that many third downs in a game, but they converted 12 of the 21 and uh, really controlled the game in terms of time of possession. Um, and then, you know, they won the turnover battle. That's the, the last thing I'd say is you know, Philadelphia had four turnovers that game. And when you have four turnovers in a game, it's, it's usually tough to overcome. So taking care of the ball offensively, which always place a high premium on that, and, and getting the ball defensively to give our offense some more chances. Coach, um, just explain to the fans, I mean, turnovers, right? So, you know, ways in which you can force turnovers, um, things that you can do as a team, not just in this game, but in any game moving sure. forward, to create the turnover opportunities. Yeah, well, I, I'd say that you, you take a look at the league and, and you see, you know, what's been the trend, and it really hasn't changed that much in the past 20 years I've been in the NFL. You know, if you can affect the quarterback, um, you know, whether that's up the middle, make him make a quick decision that he doesn't want to make, um, that gives the opportunity when they're throwing the ball to, to go ahead and get it in the back end, uh, you know, strip sacks with the quarterback, um, you know, whether that's from behind or he's, he's running as a runner. Uh, a lot of times, you know, guys going to the ground, offensive players where they put their hand down and try to gain some extra yards, it, it gets loose and you can punch it out. Um, so, again, they're, they're all drills and things we've done since day one. Uh, but really, it's, it's, I mean, it's such a huge determining factor um, in the outcome of games, um, one of the most important, and you know, this week will be no different. Coach, best of luck this afternoon against the Eagles, and uh, we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. We thank Brian Dable. We thank Dave Spadaro. We thank Nick Gates for joining us on this episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Don't forget, go subscribe to the podcast. Go find our other podcast selections, including draft season, which is heating up as you get closer to the end of the college football season, and then we start talking about the 2023 NFL Draft. Can't wait for that to get started. For everybody, I'm John Schmelk. It was all brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. We'll see you next time. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.